Hello, and welcome to Talking Eye Opinions. I am your host, Anthony Livingston Hall. The lockdown of 2020 was enough to give all Americans a sense of anomie. And the way Republicans politicized even life-saving measures, like wearing masks, only heightened the sense that we were all living in a world gone mad. Yet came the November presidential election, which had to survive a MAGA insurrection to settle. And just when we thought having a civil war too was enough to fear, along comes Belarusian President Alexander Lukashenko reminding us that we have a Cold War too, to fear too. Because watching him on Monday openly scoff at sanctions the United States and its allies imposed triggered unnerving memories of watching Fidel Castro do the same. And yes, just as Castro did so, because he knew he had the backing of the Soviet Union and its Warsaw Pact allies, Lukashenko did so because he knows he has the backing of Russia and its authoritarian allies, most notably China. Ironically, the sanctions at issue are merely a tightening of those the Trump administration and European allies imposed. This after Lukashenko rigged the presidential election in August 2020 and then ordered a brutal crackdown on peaceful protesters, which included detaining over 30,000 of them, complete with reports of systematic torture. Of course, Lukashenko's successful rigging preceded Trump's failed attempt. But, with all due respect to Trump, Lukashenko was only ever interested in emulating his political godfather, Russian President Vladimir Putin. After all, Putin has rigged elections, formed a new political party, reformed the constitution, assassinated opposition leaders, and squashed peaceful protests, all to maintain his iron-fisted legal and de facto rule over Russia for the past 22 years. And he seems hell-bent on ruling for life. Lukashenko clearly intends to do no less in Belarus, having lorded over this former Soviet Republic since 1994. In any event, the sanctions the Biden administration and its European allies have now tightened are targeted at the oligarchs who help sustain Lukashenko's autocracy. As NPR reported on August 9, and I quote, the sanctions target rich business owners in Belarus that the Treasury calls Lukashenko's wallets, who are involved in the oil, coal, tobacco and construction businesses. End quote. 
Except that, the sanctions Western leaders imposed on Putin's more notorious wallets, namely Oleg Deripaska and Roman Abramovich, after Russia annexed Crimea, did nothing to reform or even check his behavior. So there is no reason to believe sanctions will do anything to reform or check Lukashenko's. In fact, past being prologue, we need only look at the way Lukashenko hijacked a commercial plane traveling over Belarusian airspace in May. This just to have an opposition journalist arrested and thrown in jail. Of course, Western leaders vented outrage and threatened the very sanctions they have now tightened. But that journalist is still rotting away in jail. Lukashenko, after all, had seen Putin get away relatively scot-free time and again after doing things that incited far greater outrage. In fact, in February, mere months before his caper, he saw Putin effectively hijack a commercial plane to have world-famous political dissident Alexei Navalny arrested and thrown in jail. Western leaders vented outrage and threatened sanctions. But even Navalny is still rotting away in jail. The point is that Putin has shown Lukashenko and other wannabe authoritarians like Orban of Hungary and Erdogan of Turkey that they can get away with almost anything, including arresting thousands of peaceful protesters and even murdering some. Sure enough, murder, allegedly, is what Lukashenko got away with just last week. As it happened, Vitaly Shishov was becoming the bane of Lukashenko's existence that Navalny had been for years of Putin's. Both in their own ways were humiliating these strong men on the world stage by exposing their human rights abuses and theft of public funds, respectively. But then Navalny chose to be imprisoned, knowing full well he might be martyred for his cause. Only that explains him daring Putin by leaving relative safety in Germany last February to fly home to Russia, where he was summarily arrested on the tarmac. By contrast, Shishov chose to remain free to fight for his cause as an exile in Ukraine. Even so, though, he had to have known that, just as Putin's assassins could execute his orders in London, Lukashenko's could execute his in Kiev. Sure enough, that's where Shishov was found, hanged in a park near his home, last week. But 
Here is why no less a Western leader than U.S. President Joe Biden has given Lukashenko reason to believe that, like Putin, he can get away with anything. You see, Biden himself led the chorus of those condemning Lukashenko after that hijacking in May. But even I knew condemnation was hardly enough. I argued as much in a blog commentary titled To Reinforce Sanctions Against Lukashenko the Skyjacker and Vlad the Poisoner, Biden Must Cancel Putin's Summit on May 27. It seemed obvious that Lukashenko would see Biden's decision to go ahead as effectively ignoring his notorious hijacking. Meanwhile, Putin was making a public show of not only cheering the hijacking, but vowing to help Lukashenko weather the sanctions. Putin even invited international media to document him and Lukashenko having tea on the Black Sea near Sochi. A photo op he clearly orchestrated to give the finger to Western leaders. <laughs> Yet, Biden did not cancel. In fact, as he was condemning Lukashenko out of one side of his mouth, he was salivating at the prospect of meeting Putin out of the other side. And this, despite all the Western sanctions then in effect against Putin's Russia for committing international high crimes and misdeeds that were far more outrageous than anything Lukashenko's Belarus was ever even accused of committing. And don't get me started on reports airing around this time about North Korean dictator Kim Jong-un of all rogues, having so little fear of US sanctions that he was ghosting Biden's post-Trump overtures for a summit. I addressed this tail wagging the dog folly in the episode titled Biden's Foreign Policy A-Team is Failing Him on May 15, 2021. But is it any wonder? Wannabe authoritarians everywhere even in tiny Samoa, feel so emboldened these days. This is why it was hardly surprising that Lukashenko displayed such impudence at his press conference on Monday. It is curious, though, that he targeted Britain by saying it should choke on these sanctions because Britain is nothing more than America's lapdog. After all, the irony in that is almost too rich for words. But talk about projection. I mean, here is Lukashenko damning Britain as America's lapdog for agreeing to impose these sanctions. Yet he's the poodle who ran to the big dog Putin, yelping for help to steal Belarus's presidential election. You know, the way Putin has been stealing Russia's for decades. 
<laughs> anyway, it is self-evident that Putin and minimis like Lukashenko are hell-bent on flouting international norms and then mocking Western sanctions intended to punish them. I used to think targeting their wallets would change their behavior. Indeed, in Pussy Riot, Russia's Vlad the Poisoner strikes again. On September 18, 2018, I even argued that oligarchs would rather fund a palace coup against Putin than lose access to their billions in Western banks or, worse, lose access to their Western lifestyles. Granted, I also argued elsewhere that Republican leaders would seize the opportunity to impeach Trump, to reclaim their party from his dystopian and cultish influence. But I did not fully appreciate that the cravenness of men currying the favor of powerful men knows no bounds. In a similar vein, I did not fully appreciate the extent to which even Putin is currying the favor of an even bigger dog to help him re-establish the Cold War power dynamics he pines for so unashamedly. That dog, of course, is Chinese President Xi Jinping. In fact, thanks to Putin's craven machinations, China and Russia conducted joint military exercises in China last week that involved over 10,000 troops. The message they wanted to convey to America and its allies is clear. Russia and China are forming an alliance that will prove far more formidable than the Soviet Union's Warsaw Pact. And, more to the point, that just as dictators gone by, like Fidel Castro, could defy Western leaders because they knew they had the backing of that pact, dictators today, like Alexander Lukashenko, know they can too because they have the backing of this alliance. Case in point, the Biden administration is issuing plaintive warnings to the Taliban that if it seizes power in Afghanistan by force, the United States won't give it any financial aid and no foreign country will recognize it. <laughs> Surely, after 20 years of America trying to build an Afghanistan that can fend off the Taliban, that's pathetic enough. Yet, not only is the Taliban making a spectacular show of defying those warnings, but Russia and China are telegraphing their intent to lead their side of this new bipolar world in aiding and recognizing the Taliban as the legitimate government of Afghanistan. Hell, I am even cynical enough to believe 
that Putin and Xi have been undermining general elections, fomenting racial unrest, and stoking cultural wars over everything from abortions to critical race theory and life-saving vaccines to make America look so dysfunctional and unlivable that their countries would look like far more desirable places to live, respectively. But you can bet it's only a matter of time before any Belarusian, Russian, or Chinese oligarch who wants to stay rich, let alone stay alive, will have far more of their ill-gotten gains invested in China than in the United States or any other Western country. In 2005, I coined the term Putinization to describe what I predicted would be Vladimir Putin's attempt to reform Russia in his neo-Stalinist image at home while attempting to exercise Soviet-style sphere of influence abroad. Blog commentaries like Putinization Putin reforming Russia in his own image from March 25, 2005 and the Putinization of Russia extends to Georgia from November 2, 2006 attest to this. Sure enough, everything he has done since then has been consistent with that ambition and therefore entirely predictable. This is why I can assert with some credibility that only one thing will check and balance his neo-Soviet ambition. It happens to be the same thing that will check and balance China's superpower ambition to dominate the 21st century more than the United States and the Soviet Union dominated the 20th century combined. And that thing is the Cold War principle of mutual assured destruction. Acronym M-A-D this mad principle is the only thing that kept the Cold War from turning hot. And, as crazy as it might seem, it's the only thing that will keep the likes of Kim, Lukashenko and Putin from driving the rest of us mad. That's it. Please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts 
and follow me on Facebook and Instagram. If you'd like to contact me, I invite you to email anthonyhall279 at gmail.com or use the contact feature on my blog at www.ipjn.com Thank you for listening and until the next Talking Eye Pinions, goodbye.